Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Roadcase. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am really psyched to be here for this episode with Nicole Atkins. Uh, really happy to have you here. If you're here for the first time, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a returning listener, so happy to have you here. Thanks again for your support. And as you know, I like to remind everyone on every during every episode that there is a bunch of different ways that you can support this podcast. Uh, first, a really quick and easy way is to follow us on social media. Our handle is at RoadcasePod, and we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So just give us a follow on any one of those. Uh, that would be great. Uh, we also have a website, www.RoadcasePod.com, where you can find out more information about the show. Another great way to stay in touch with Roadcase is to email us. Our email is info at roadcasepod.com. We'd love to hear from you with your questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything. Call me out on something. Uh, I'd love to have a dialogue about music. Shoot me an email, and I thank everyone who's already sent me emails. Uh, You can also, a great way to support Roadcase is to follow us on your favorite listening platform. For example, if you're on Spotify right now, that little box that says follow, just hit that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, which is another popular streaming platform, up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little check mark. Just hit that. That way you'll follow Roadcase on the streaming platforms and you'll get notifications when a new episode comes out. Uh, Another great way to support Roadcase, super easy. If you're on Apple Podcasts, to rate and review Roadcase, you just scroll down a little bit, see those stars, hit a whole bunch of them. And if you could write a review, I'd really appreciate that. Really helps to support the show. So I'm really psyched to have Nicole Atkins on the show uh, for this episode. I had a really wonderful conversation with Nicole. I had met her uh, once before uh, on the road, and we had just a really great talk. I knew I had to have her on the show. And uh, her latest album, Italian Ice, which she co-produced with Ben Tanner of Alabama Shakes, is just... Uh, an amazing kind of almost biographical walk through uh, the world of the Jersey Shore where Nicole grew up in Asbury Park and nearby, I think it was uh, Neptune City. Uh, it's a funky, soulful, sort of neo-psychedelic post-punk. It's just really an eclectic mix, uh, which makes sense uh, because Nicole is really and says that self-admittedly she has an uncharacteristic talent for bringing different artists together. And uh, this album uh, is no exception. And her prior albums were uh, of a very similar, similar vein. Um, This one was recorded in Muscle Shoals studio in Alabama, first of all, and is a conglomeration of all-star players on the album, uh, Nicole just manages to constantly surround herself with amazing musicians. Uh, uh, the Binky Griptide of the Dap Kings plays on this album. Britt Daniel from Spoon, uh, with whom Nicole just returned from the road doing a fall um, tour with Spoon. Uh, Seth Avett of the Avett Brothers. Uh, Nicole was just out at the Avetts at the Beach Festival. Uh, and she also has Aaron Ray, among others. Aaron was just actually, a, she's a Nashville artist. She was just on the show. Uh, 
um, with, and she has an amazing new uh, Cosmic Country album out called Lighten Up, which everyone should check out and uh, heads up for that episode coming up as well. Um, Nicole called this latest album an awesome misfit party uh, with the weirdest and craziest band ever. And the reason why I'm saying that is just it sort of encapsulates the way Nicole um, moves about life, uh, bringing people together, bringing artists together. She loves having this buffet of friends constantly. And she's just that kind of person. She's really easy to talk to. Uh, we had this fun, fun, light conversation uh, where we talked a ton about her road life. And uh, uh, we also discuss uh, her sobriety, which she She's very open about uh, as well and um, also has a very interesting story about Elvis Costello. She sings on Elvis's uh, uh, latest album, A Boy Called If, on the song My More My Most Beautiful Mistake. So if you're a Nicole fan or any fan, just go out and check that, check that album out and uh, pay particular attention to that one track. So thanks for everyone for being here for this episode. I'm super psyched about this one, and I really am happy that you're here, and I appreciate your support. And I want to send a very special thank you out to Nicole Atkins for being here on this episode of Road Case. And here we go. Hey, Nicole. Thanks for being here on Roadcase. So great to see you again. You too. Yeah. 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 I was talking about how we like chatted at the uh, uh, the Wood Brothers show. I think that was like November of. Geez, it must have been 2019. Gosh. Oh my god! Like yeah. several lifetimes it ago. It seems like it was like last season, but the last few years have just been the, like just zip by. It's a, kind of. It's a common phenomenon. You talked about how yeah. you were like you. You were we were chatting after your set, but that you had to take off because you were like traveling in a VW bug or something like that. It was yeah, it was a, a VW Tiguan, <laughs> oh, and it that's was better uh, than a bug. I guess. Snowing. Oh yeah, it was, it was a snowing super that cold day. that night. Yeah, yeah, and so we were worried about the weather. Do you want to figure out where to put that thing? You're trying to like yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it here. The iPad that you're recording on. Yeah, for the backup. Got to have a backup, everybody. Yeah, we always we always have backups. Yeah, backups of backup. There's always two kinds of people: those that back up and those that do not. Yeah, <laughs> I just had a, a friend call me, and I noticed that I saved his number in my phone three times. Oh yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <was> like, oops. <laughs> yeah, right. And once up into the cloud, which basically having it on the phone is in the cloud. But yeah. um, I'm so happy you're here. Uh, I love your work. I love your artistry, and your music. so so beautiful and refreshing, and opens my own brain as I know many others to so many different genres and that's it's so exciting it's so exciting and I had the distinct pleasure of going back over your back catalog and doing some research and oh my god the tower and the live performance on um, slow phaser was just absolutely I mean I dropped my headphone sorry yeah I got excited I was like you like the tower yes like no one ever hears that song and I remember recording that song like yeah. we spent so much time on it it's a thing that like when i mean i always think about when i make records as albums you know so there has to yeah. be like a crescendo to the to the ending of like the story of the album and with the with streaming people never get to the last song yeah 
So it's almost like you have to like stack the album with the songs you want people to hear, but it doesn't make sense in the form of a story for me. So when people do hear the tower, I'm like, oh, thank God, because that song was like, that was like the showpiece of the record. Awesome. Well, I knew, I, I, I sort of know your personality a little bit from what I've learned from your performances and I haven't chatted with you briefly prior to this. Um, but, and from the nature of your albums, I just knew like, okay, Nicole's going to reward me for just hanging on and like listening to the <laughs> last few tracks of any of her albums. And uh, I mean, yeah. not to mention all the previous tracks and the early tracks, which are extraordinary as well. But yeah, that was one. And then I was so happy that I, you know, I was like, oh, well, I'll listen to the deluxe edition of Slow Phaser. And it's got, so I just, I listened to the live songs and the tower was on there. Wow. Wow. Who, who yeah. played on that, by Thanks. the way? On the live yeah. version, it was, uh, it was, that was recorded at the Masonic Temple in Detroit. Oh, right, we right, right. Tour with right. Uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Oh, for the Push the Sky Away tour. Wow. So it was me and um, my two friends from home in Asbury Park, uh, Chris Donofrio on drums and Dave Rosen on guitar. Mm. And it was just wild. Like right before that tour, I was told we could only bring two people. And that album was just so like arranged, like the it was the biggest band I had. Yeah. And so we had to rearrange all of the songs to just work as a three piece. Right. And I was glad that they asked us to do that because I love how it turned out. And we were like, we should document this. And so we just went to Guitar Center and bought like a Tascam and put up mics around the, the uh, venue yeah. and didn't tell anybody. And then we told them later and they were fine with it. But I was like, just apologize later. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> act first and then act, beg beg for forgiveness later, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we didn't need to. So thank God. For oh, my that, God. It was just simply amazing. And the extended version was thanks. actually named live at Masonic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right. So interesting. Um, God, that it really blew me away, Nicole. That was it was thanks. really, really great. Um and of course, there's so much to hang on to with your music because there's so many different influences. And of course, I'm by nature just in my gut. I, I love rock and roll. And so that's why that, you know, that one song stood out for me. But all the, yeah. the other songs and, 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 and some of the beautiful influences that you have and this kind of soul singing and pop and 50s sort of influence singers yeah. that I would never like I, I'm exposed to this from like my mom, you know, <laughs> I mean, no offense. Yeah. I'm, I'm really into kid. my mom's music. Oh, you are. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Cause she yeah. A like any tape you would like get at a gas station, a compilation, like a cruising classics compilation. <laughs> That's like my biggest influences because all those songs are so dramatic and singable, you know, so they all kind of like make their way in there. Sometimes. You have to have the voice to back it up, clearly. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, are you there? I just, I don't oh, know why I'm getting calls. Oh, put on do not disturb. Yes, put here. on do not disturb if you don't want to be. Uh... How do I do that? Oh, there you go. Okay, Sweet. good. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn something new every day. There you go. There you, do not disturb is key for this kind of for me and at night. Oh my god. What do you do at night? I I don't I stay up all night. So if somebody calls me at night, <laughs> you're I'm cool. gonna pick you're up. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sucks. Like I, I really wish it was the opposite way. I wish I was a morning person. Why? Because it's like I'll just be up all night by myself, like ah. I know, I'm totally not a morning person. I stay up late too, but Oh, it's horrible. Um, is that kind of like a creative thing? Do you create a lot at night? Yeah. I just like, it's like my brain turns on at night and it's like, pay attention to me. And it's like, oh yeah, there's no rest for the wicked. <laughs> well, some creatives are like nighttime people. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the 
what is it for you? And for me, it's like the world is sort of just calmed down outside and I can yeah. kind of focus on, there's not a lot of external. That's what it is. It's like the world is sleeping. So the frequencies are more, um, there's more space. Yeah. Do you literally stay up and write and do things? You're so creative about Yeah, I'll about- stay up. Like even like when I'm going to sleep, it's like I always get ideas for songs at the most inconvenient time. And it'll be like my husband's asleep and I'm just like, you know, it's like four in the morning and I'm like creeping out of bed to like go record this idea into my phone mm. and uh, trying to be quiet and being like, okay, this is song like three octaves higher, but do, 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 like... <laughs> And it's like, and then like all these other ideas heap on top of it and then it gets light out and then I sleep all morning. Nice. It works. Yeah. It works, right? Yeah. <laughs> it does work. I, like I'm grateful for it, but like I wish, yeah, I wish it could happen during the day. Yeah. And sometimes it does. It's just like, I, yeah, there's no routine for it. Yeah. Yeah. More songs come to you at those hours than any other time, literally. Yeah. Yeah, I wow. literally, I even have like ideas for songs in my dreams sometimes and I'll wake up and I'll record them uh-huh. and I'll be like, wow, that totally works. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I do get to use that as an excuse to sleep in. I'm like, I'm working. Leave me alone. Yeah. I had a dream. I was at a show the other night and I went to the merch table and it was Phil Lash at the merch table. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, man, how you doing? You just had a birthday, right? It's like, yeah, 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 that's so funny. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> writing a song, but, you know, musically driven. I guess. Hey, you never know, like with the way that the music industry is going, he, he might, might have be. to start selling his own merch. <laughs> right. Um, Imagine. So you were saying you were loving your mom's music when you were growing up and that had a huge yeah. influence on you? Mm-hmm. Big time. You know, she'd get those like cruising classics tapes and like we'd be singing with Jay Black and the Americans like Karamiyama and like all that stuff oh, nice. like it just like felt like a movie and I think too like Dirty Dancing came out around that time as well so it was like all that like 50s music was just so like you know it was like a breath of fresh air hmm. Hmm. is that how you did you because you have rock influences in some of your music. You're yeah. a rocker. Big time. Uh, yeah. Man. But it was all like combined. Like Tommy yeah. from The Who came out on HBO when I was like three. Oh, yeah. So it was like listening to that, like, you know, Frankie Valley stuff. And then like The Who and Led Zeppelin and and then like Judy Garland and like all the Broadway stuff, right. like old Broadway stuff and like kind of mishmashing it all together that's really beautiful i love things been yeah i love so much the influences that you can have an open enough mind to bring in all these sort of influences and combine them it's really compelling thanks yeah it's really fun it it doesn't really uh make sense financially sometimes but you know i can paint houses if i need money i'd rather like keep my music inspired rather than like have it do one thing that might you know, I might be bored about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you say that it's not financial rewarding because you feel like there's a, um, there's an effort to sort of want to pigeonhole you or like, just keep you in one lane. Like people aren't going to figure out like, what are you doing now? Like, is that the thing? This song like really worked. So let's make 10 more of them. It's like, wait, but no, I'm listening to prog rock now, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. Has that been frustrating for you? Um, it has been in the past, but not really now, you know, now it's like, I can do it. Like I've been doing it for so long that it's my thing, Yeah, you know, that I almost think that people would be shocked if I stuck to one thing by now. 
Yeah, for sure. Does that create? It's just very like it's very fun, you know. Like every album is just kind of like an adventure into what I'm into at the time. You know, what kind of st- like musical style I want to paint the story with. Yeah, and it opens up so many different avenues. I mean, even um, the the reimagining. I think I was touching, started mm-hmm. to touch upon that uh, a little bit earlier. Um, what compelled you to want to redo a, a, one of your own albums in a different style? Uh, Neptune City? Uh, no, I mean uh, Memphis Ice versus Italian Ice. Oh, Memphis Ice, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the record um, Italian Ice came out during, like, right when the pandemic was, like, in lockdown. So um, 18 months went by, and we wanted to do something that, you know, was those songs, but, you know, a new version of them, just because we were all starting to get back out on the road. So it was like kind of just simply for a reminder of like, hey, you know, I put this album out, now we're going to do it live. But then once we got into the studio and did it live, it was just such a different animal that it Mm. was like, wow, like this should be an album. Like we thought it was just going to be a live stream and then it turned into an album. Yeah. You know, and then it actually kind of turned into inspiration for the next record that I'm working on. You know, just uh being able to sing live, like with those arrangements without like any rhythm section, like anchoring it down. Mm -hmm. You really feel like I felt like so in the moment, like so connected to my singing in a way that I hadn't before, you know, kind of like singing in a rock band, you know, you're just kind of going with it and then singing with strings and piano, you're just kind of leading it, Mm -hmm. you know. So I was like, man, I always thought I would have my like Bette Midler moment when I was like 60. <laughs> but now I'm just like, oh, I want to do cabaret now. <laughs> so, And this new album is an album of standards, but well, standards, quote unquote, standard styles, well, right? That yeah, you, you, new, that you're new standards. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's just, you know, I thought like all these like beautiful, like American songbook songs, they're all like, you know, 50 years or older. So there should be some new ones. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. People need some new songs to sing, and you can write about modern times in a way that doesn't date it. So it's like a really cool project to like. You're like, okay, like, how do you? I don't want to put the word Twitter in a song, right. but like, okay, tie it, tie it to a bird and let it fly to no one. That's about Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that sounds like fun to be able to like it infuse your own modern take on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in a way, like you know, it can't just keep looking to the past or like keep rehashing the past, but you can take all of the things that you love about it and make them new. Yeah. You know, just so that kind of music doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, the only people really doing that, you know, style is like, I don't know, I think kind of done in a pastiche way, you know, like Michael Buble or like where it's like they're putting on the costume of it, you know? So how do you do that music without a costume? Yeah, you know, like, keep it in the modern keep world. It modern. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I totally think you accomplished that even on uh Italian Ice and Memphis Ice. And um you did yeah. that interesting stream. Is that explain to me a little bit about the live um there's gonna be a live album or a movie about Memphis Ice? I know I saw there the stream was. in December. What uh, okay. yeah, I was on that. Yeah, it was really beautiful. That was like a one night only thing. So I think we're gonna figure out a way to show that film more. Just because, you know, it needs, I feel like seeing the film is like the version, you know, you can buy the vinyl and hear it, but like seeing it with the film really like you see, like, I don't know, it's exciting because it's all just like one take. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. You recorded that prior and then put it up um, on a particular date, right? Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't like done live. It was not an actual live stream. 
No, it was it was a live performance, but then it was like, okay, we did three versions of each song, which is the best take. Yeah, yeah. And for you've you've you're sort of renowned for bringing so many different artists together, which sort of makes sense because you're always bringing so many different styles together, and it really works well. Um, th- tell me a little bit about Italian Ice and all the great uh, musicians that you had uh, yeah. to play on that at at Muscle Muscle Shoal Studio. So we, um, I sang at Spooner Oldham's 75th birthday party. Uh-huh. I'm friends with his daughter, Roxanne. Uh-huh. And she was like, um, Binky Griptite, the guitarist from the Dap Kings, he was visiting Nashville. We were writing some songs for a solo record and ran into Roxanne. And she was like, oh yeah, my dad's having his 75th birthday party. And we were both like, oh, I want to go. Yeah. And then Binky went back home. But the next day she was like, hey, do you want to sing at it? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. And um, so I met him and David and Kelvin Holly, David Hood from the Swampers right. at a, at the birthday party, <clears throat> and we just hit it off like really, really well. And uh, then Single Lock, uh, they were like, you know, maybe you should do a record down here at the Shoals and work with them. Right. And I was like, that's a good idea, you know. But I wanted to, I didn't want to like make it like Nicole Atkins in Muscle Shoals. Like, you know, like I wanted to make a record that sounded like me. Yeah. So I was like, well, Binky was there that day. So you have to be on it. And it was basically like whoever was like in my path on the way to making the record ended up being on the record. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, writing with Britt Daniel from Spoon. And he was like, where are you doing this? And I told him and he was like, oh, that sounds like a dream. I'm like, you want to come be on it? And he was like, yeah. So it was him and my friend Moose and Jim Sclavunos from the Bad Seeds. Like Jim had a picture of uh, Muscle Shoals Sound framed on his kitchen wall in London. And I was like, have you ever been there? And he's like, no. I'm like, come play percussion. So it was like just like all of my friends. Yeah. And then my new friends, David and Spooner. And like the day before, I was like, that was when I had like a moment like, oh, shit. What if this doesn't work? (sighs) You know, Mackenzie from Midlake played drums and it was just like nobody had met each other, but they all knew me. And I was the only person that wasn't in a documentary. (laughs) And I was like, you know, are these like A-list dudes doing playing with me? And then after the first night, everybody just like got along really well. And it was like the most productive session I've ever been a part of. We did like 15 songs in five days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was really beautiful. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about you, you, you've just to kind of downshift a second to go to sort of the more personal side. I was really interested in mm-hmm. that you struggled with alcoholism or reco- you're, mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've said you're that you're a recovering alcoholic. I, I, yeah. I don't want to rephrase it in any insensitive way or anything, but you're now, yeah. you've now sober and you've been sober for five years. Um, yeah. I haven't drank in almost five years. Yeah. Can you tell me? February 18th. On which, what's the date? February 18th. Uh-huh. Oh, on February 18th, it'll be five years. Yeah. So it'll be soon. Tell me a little bit about what, like, sort of what happened leading up to that and your decision to sort of stop drinking and, and um, how it sort of, how drinking affected your creativity. Well, I mean, drinking affected my creativity where it's like, I just didn't want to journal. I didn't, you know, I was like kind of just going through the motions. Mm. You know, and like I was recording a duets record with Jim Sclavunos, who's like, you know, really important partner to me. And the whole time in the studio, just being like, you know, alcohol was the first thing on my mind. And I was just like, this isn't good. 
you know, mm. I'm doing something I've always wanted to do with somebody I really respect and I'm not even present for it, you know? So I was like, you know, I got to try something different. And it, it wasn't easy, you know, like for some people when they're like, you know, I'm going to quit drinking and they just do it. For me, it was just like, I was like hanging on to that with claws, like trying mm. to figure out every which way I could still drink. And then after a while, it was just, you know, so many attempts it, it just took up so much time. I just finally like let go of it, you know? Hmm. And, uh, and once I did, it was just like, I had so much room in my brain that like all of my creativity came back like 20 fold, you know, I started yeah. drawing again. I started painting again. I started, I always thought I had social anxiety. I do not. <laughs> I <could laughs> that does not come anybody, as a surprise to me. Anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, at that, even like with the record, like I probably, if I was still drinking, would have never had like, you know, the, the cojones to like ask those people to play on a record with me. And then after I did, hmm. I was just like, oh, play on a record with me. You know, what do you think it was about drinking that made you, that made you a little bit more, uh, reserved or, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky thing. You know, yeah. it's like a lot of people grow up like that. And like, for me, like, you know, my family's amazing, but it's a lot of like alcoholics. And like with that, you just kind of cover yourself up. So you don't really know who you are if you start drinking at like a pretty young age, mm. which I did, you know, like I just kind of associated those things with my personality when in fact they were complete, you know, the complete opposite of my personality, mm. you know? Oh Yeah judgmental and shut down is kind of like the complete opposite of who I am now, you know, which I guess is who I've always been, you know, cause when I was a kid, I was like, talk to me, ah, you know? Right. Right. So you kind of like go back to being who you were when you were a kid. Yeah. I'm trying to piece that together because I haven't struggled with that uh, myself, but does that, it means that um, in your life, having had alcohol helped cover up some insecurities that, I thought it did um, that you thought it that you thought it did. But yeah. when you didn't have alcohol in your life, you were able to see who you really are because you were yeah. forced to explore your own self. And then totally. so, so, um, kind of equating. I to also like right before I quit drinking, I fell into a 10 foot sinkhole that was in a parking literally? lot. Literally, literally. Uh -huh. yeah. So <laughs> that was a wow. My rock, my rock bottom was rock bottom. Literally. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing with that was like, I think after that happened, you know, like I like hit two centimeters away from my tailbone. So it could have been like, I could have died. Yeah. And that kind Jesus. of knocked all of my anxiety out of me. It was like, you could die in a parking lot hole. So after that, what do you have to be afraid of? Like nothing. <laughs> You know, interesting, interesting. So, and yeah. you, that like you just you were drunk at the time and like you were like, fuck this. Or was it just something I else? wasn't even that drunk. I just woke up in the bottom of it. Like and I was just like, whoa, life is short and you're not in charge of like what happens to you. So, wow. What do you have to be afraid of? Talk about like a watershed event. Holy shit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, you weren't the best thing that ever had like happened to me. Yeah, you could have been really hurt. I mean, you could have like... Yeah, I could have been paralyzed. I could have died. I could have like broke my face, but I broke my ass instead. So Yeah, right. And now you're busting <laughs> your ass even harder than you did before. And now I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't feel like busting my ass. It just feels like I get to play all day and all night. Right, right, right. And that's my work. <laughs> 
Well, you have such a great nature about yourself and you're so willing to put yourself out there. Has that always been the case in terms of create your own creativity? Is it difficult for you or has it been difficult for you to put things out there? Is it a struggle? No, no, I just, I've always, you know, I've always made records. I've always made art. You know, it's really the only jobs I've ever had. Mm. Like after college, I, um, started a mural company and I painted murals in like oh, restaurants interesting. and then I played at bar gigs and restaurant gigs. Uh-huh. So I'd play from like 10 to two at the Irish pub, Okay, you know, and then like went to New York every Monday for the open mic at uh, the sidewalk cafe. And it was like, never like, I never thought like I'm going to New York to make it. It was just like, I'm going to New York to get drunk with my friends and play songs. And, and it just happened. Yeah. Like, it just, there never was any, like, I don't know. I didn't think too hard on it or think that, like, okay, this might not happen, so what's a plan B? It's just, like, it was always my life. Right, right. Um, Even the restaurants I worked at, they were like, oh, you play music? Oh, you're a shitty waitress, so how about you just play on Thursday nights? <laughs> and, like, I was like, all right. Oh, so even the things you didn't want to do ended up to be like positives because you were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's just like being like open and paying attention to those things. Yeah. Did, does, does being sober affect <clears throat> kind of those voices that people have in their head that tell them, no, don't do this. Or, and a lot of people drink to like become less inhibited about those things. How, yeah. What's that yeah. dynamic look like for you? I feel like my like being on stage has gotten way more fun since I quit drinking because Mm. now it's like the audience becomes my entertainment, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, what's your name? Joey, Joey, what can you do for me tonight? (laughs) You know, like the mistakes of like, you know, playing without a crew. So when something breaks, it's like, okay, like it's, uh, it's all, it all becomes like part of the show. So like every night is different and that's really, really exciting to me like i never know what's going to happen and i get excited for the mistakes sort of feeling more present Would yeah that be, yeah yeah like yeah you're just like you go on stage and you're on it and you don't know anybody in the crowd but you're gonna you know meet them in that hour and a half and see what they can do for you <laughs> and hopefully like applause is something that's in that category i guess yeah applause right? is fine would be, but would like be you know like get get them to shout at my brother at the philly show that was fun. What happened there? <laughs> my brother just showed up to one of my gigs, like super hammered. And I was like, Scotty, shut the fuck up. And then everybody's like, shut the fuck up, Scotty. <laughs> like, it was just, it was very memorable. Yeah, I bet. So what was it like growing up in famous Asbury Park, New Jersey or Neptune City? Or are those two places close? Was it Neptune or? It was like, yeah, it was a, Neptune City is right next to Asbury Park. Ah, okay. Yeah, I didn't know. So every town in that area is like five minute long town. Ah, and okay. uh, lots of little towns, little beach towns. And it was really fun growing up there because it was like kind of shitty, but like you're by the water and it's like a bird sanctuary. So there's all these like crumbling buildings and like very like almost like vaudeville looking because it's from the 20s. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of like Victorian houses and um, like magic shops and the old like arcade with the palace amusements. Right. Like I would. You know, I was, my grandfather would take me when I was like four years old to the amusement park that was like crumbling and closing. And it was just like, it was like a movie. 
you know, like yeah. I'm just like in my head all the time. So I was just like, Ooh, like everything was just like spooky and cool. Right. Right. Um, and musically were you influenced? Obviously there's a, there, there's been a lot historically going on in Asbury park. Uh, yeah. it's pretty famous for that. Uh, stone pony, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Was that, um, did that factor into, to kind of your musical yeah. background a little bit? Well, it was just like, uh, there was just music everywhere. Every restaurant you went to, there was a musician. So it was like, when you tell your parents like, oh, I'm going to be a musician. They're not like, don't do that. Become a lawyer. They're like, oh wait, that's a job. Yes. Uh -huh, you should do right. that. Okay. You know? And, um, yeah, it was just always, always there. And I think like a lot of the old, like soul music that came out of Muscle Shoals, you know, people like the E Street Band and Southside Johnny, like they were all really influenced by that. Mm. So I wasn't like so much influenced by them, but more so the music that they listened to. Yeah. Like Roy Orbison and Jackie Wilson and stuff. Right, right, right. And now you've got to sing with a hero of yours, Elvis Costello, uh, on his, yeah. and on this, on his new album, um, uh, the album, oh, the album, the album name is escaping me now. Oh, that's horrible. The Boy Named If. The Boy Named If. Thank you very much, Nicole. And, uh, <laughs> but the, 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 the song is my most beautiful mistake, but you guys had met before yeah. or how, how did that sort of play out? Well, it, it's a weird story. Cause like I, I'm, you know, briefly met him and got a photo like 20 years ago when he was on the, when I was cruel tour mm -hmm. in uh, Asbury park. And that was when I was first recording my first songs. Like the guy that was producing the record brought me to the show. Ah, cool. Told me how, uh, how Elvis, um, Elvis's security guard or something punched him when he was in college. Cause he was taking pictures and he was like, photographer, get him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I went up to him and asked him for a picture and he's like, Oh, do you want me to sign anything? And I asked him to sign my debit card and he just like laughed. He's like, I think that's illegal. But then like, the like the blank was space like, hey. on the back or what? How did that yeah, I, did, I just got it in the mail and I was like, oh, oh that would be okay, funny. Sure. But, <laughs> but, uh, the week before I met him again, like right before lockdown, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Carol King's daughter, Louise Goffin. Mm -hmm. And she was like, tell me about New York. And I was like, I was a bad waitress, but they let me book music. And she was like, oh, bad waitress sounds like an Elvis Costello song. And then two days later, I met him at Radio City. Oh, wow. Because I was singing at an Easy Rider tribute. And I told him the story. I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So I guess we should write that song. <laughs> and then he ended up writing it and like contacted me a month later and was like, what do you think of the lyrics? And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then, you know, the lockdown happened and I started doing my variety show every week from my house. Yeah, the steel and porch he started stuff. tuning in and like, yeah, he tuned in every week and sent me like a recap. And I was like, this guy rules. And then he asked me to sing on the record. So we just became friends. Wow. That's amazing. He's like the coolest dude ever. Yeah. Really? Really grateful. And you did, him. did you do like a Zoom recording or was that, did you go in a studio We were on with him? Zoom, but his, I went to my friend Dex's studio, uh, Three Sirens here in town and his uh -huh. engineer, Sebastian, like flew in the, the mix from the internet. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but yeah. it was very high tech. <laughs> and then I had them on Zoom. So like they were like, all right, do it again or don't, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, it was a wild day. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And it's such a cool, it's such a cool song. I love it. I love it. You guys sound, you guys sound amazing together, actually. Thanks. Like, yeah, it was, it was funny because like right before I had that, like, 
talk with my friend. Like he was on a TV show singing uh, This Year's Girl. Mm. And I was like, just thinking to myself, I was like, I want to sing with that guy. Like yeah. this all happened within a week. It was like the week of like synchronicity, synchronicity. Uh, Elvis Costello yeah. thoughts and they, they happened. Wow. It's amazing how stuff like that can happen sometimes. If you just sort of imagine, know. you know, like put yourself in this position and not be intimidated by certain situations. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like in the middle of it. Yeah. Like I, at the end of the show too, I almost didn't go up and talk to him again. But then I was like, wait, I have to. And I was just like, I got to tell you about my week. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like just like that mundane, like kind of just like strike up a conversation. Th- and, and, and it is that mundane because in your head you could be like, oh, God, blah, blah. And it's just like, what's the worst that's going to happen? He could tell you to go fuck yourself, you know, and yeah, then you could be true. like, cool. Right, right, Elvis right. Costello just told me to go fuck myself. Yeah. Like, but I like how you said it. The, I, I like how you said it the first time more with a New Jersey accent. It sounds it always sounds <laughs> fuck yourself always sounds more realistic with a Jersey accent. Hey, go fuck yourself. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, you never know. I mean, I was talking to you in 2019 in the fall at like the merch table at a Wood Brothers show that you had opened for. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like interviewing you for my own podcast, you know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dream, yeah. Dreams can, dreams dreams can, can come true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you talked about that stuff you did during, um, during COVID live from the steel porch, it was called, mm-hmm. um, did you start? I miss it. Yeah. How was that for you? I mean, I know you, you, it was so fun. Yeah. Like I'm just, you know, I, I have a lot of, uh, creative outlets. So it was yeah, like, you, it, do. It, you know, I was able to put everything together. Mm. So, you know, got to perform my songs, got to play with my band. I love, you know, checking out like i love getting to know musicians you know Mm -hmm. so interviewing bands i liked and putting together little like comedy sketches we had uh pele from the hives was my fake therapist that was really funny (laughs) yeah and uh it was it it just hit on all of the things i love to do that's a really that's So. so cool um with all your creativity and then you've got all the it's like you're at the hub of all this wheel with all these spokes that reach both to different forms of creativity but also different people yeah. are you have you always been kind of a people bring together sort of person i think so yeah yeah i have always like i've never been a person that like was in a click you know, I was always friends with like one or two people from every group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd all meet at like my birthday party. And then they'd be like, oh, I like that guy. Yeah. You know, so I've always kind of been, you know, I I, I like to, uh, I, I like to have a friend buffet. A friend buffet. There you go. Friend buffet. <laughs> you like to eat your friends, in other words. Yes. So to speak, I guess. Yes. Have dinner no, with friends. Like have dinner with friends. Yes. There you go. I don't even like to have dinner with friends. I don't like to eat with friends. I like to like have them come over and let's paint pictures. Oh, there you go. There you go. Why you not? Know, why not eat? Much, like eat. Much like better things down. to do with our time than eat in front of each other. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can go with that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so. Um, uh, I, I, I love, I love that vibe of yours. And, um, did, was that kind of a driver behind, well, let me ask the question. Did you ever actually, did you ever have a band of your own that you sort of brought or is it always been, um, you with musicians that you put together, um, that you bring together? Um, I mean, the guys in my band are my band, you know? Right. So, well, no, I mean, in the I'm studio, sure you're playing you with other musicians oh, and such. And then, yeah. oh, but in you're the always studio, going on the I road with really, the same. 
Nicole, you always going on the road with the same band? I have a different band usually like every album cycle, you okay. know, because there's so much time in between album cycles. Yeah. So it's hard to hang on to a band unless you're like super wealthy and can put them on retainer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm still friends with like all the people that have always been in my bands, except for right. one guy. You know who you does are. Does he know who yourself. he is? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he does. Okay. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just who, and then for the studio, it's like, create who you want for that. I feel like there's, there's perfect people to be on the road with. And then there's perfect people to be in the studio with. And sometimes they're the same person, but a lot of times they're not, Mm. you know? So it's, it's good to know, like, it's good to have just a lot of really talented friends and people, you know, to like, create that moment in the studio with yeah to pick from yeah does that um does being on the road it's sort of like a personal chemistry thing for you and that can be different when you're in the studio with somebody maybe they're playing a sub part that's just fucking amazing but you're kind of like like, yeah maybe i don't want to travel with or they can't or it's always good to have like you your rolodex is massive let's put it that way totally it's like (laughs) i I can i can afford you for a week in the studio but not for six months on the road Mm. You know, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But then, like, you know, my drummer Danny, like, he's he's perfect for both. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, and that's a special thing. Yeah. What did those early days look for you? Kind of look looked. Um, what did they look like for you? Um, heading out on the road, doing what you do, performing, etc. How did that? Did that I take started, a huge toll on you early on? Or no, mm. no, I love being on the road. It was hard at first because. I, you know, I drank back then and didn't get along with my boyfriend, so I cried a lot mm-hmm. but uh, and lost my voice a lot. But then um, I think it's, you know, singing on the road is really hard. And in the beginning, it's, I think it's, it would have been helpful for somebody to tell me, like, this happens to everybody, but no one talked about it. So mm-hmm. I was just like, are you guys losing your voice? And they'd be like, no, never. But everybody loses their voice in the beginning. Uh, okay. But uh but then I just like learned how to, you know, do it. And it's like, even at the end of a tour, if I, you know, blew my voice out, I can still make it work, hm. you know, just adds more character to it. But, uh, do you mean like completely I mean, losing your voice or just sort of like those little just things like that you, you, straining that you, it out. you notice the difference of? Yeah. 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 At the end of a tour, I might lose all my high notes, but you just don't need to do them. Right. 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 And it, it'll still sound cool. But, uh, you know, I I feel like I do music basically just so I can be on the road and meet people, talk to strangers and travel for free, you know? Yeah, totally. You do music it's just so like you can... not like I need to buy a boat or anything. <laughs> you do music just so you can be out on the road. What's your relationship with performing and being in front of an audience? And I, I, I kind of... It's my favorite place to be. Yeah, I knew the answer know? to that question before I even asked it. But tell me a little bit about how it makes you feel and what kind of that vibe is for you uh, performing these things that are so like close to you. It just makes you feel like how they talk about... Or Lenny Kay used to always... Uh, Patty Smith's guitar player. Yeah. He'd always be like, every night is New Year's Eve. You know, like... And that's what it feels like. You know, you could be playing somewhere on a Monday night and it feels like New Year's Eve. Yeah, fuck And it yeah. doesn't matter if there's... 500 people there or if there's 20 you're just like okay if there's 20 people there you're like let's get weird let's see how far we can take this yeah right and when there's a ton of people there it's like you just totally like lose yourself you know 
Yeah, totally. And you just came back from it's the- exciting. It's hard to sleep. I think that's why I'm such a night person because I've been touring for like almost 20 years and it's like coming off of that high and then you're in a hotel room and you're like- Yeah, the, <laughs> the walls start getting closer and closer. What do I do with myself? <laughs> yeah, it's like you have to go to sleep to CNN screaming at you just so you can fall asleep. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Party time. Totally. Um, yeah, it's hard to come off of that. It's hard to shift the body clock, right? I'll, I mean, we were already talking about wanting to be yeah. up late. And then uh, why should I go to bed early? Like, unless you got a seven o'clock. So you just avoid all anything like seven a.m., like early kind of calls, et cetera, if you can. If I have to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. But it's like left to my own devices. I'll sleep, you know, till whenever I want. Right on. But it's like, if we make an appointment, I will be there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. Totally. Um, and talking about being out on the stage, you just came back from uh, Avets at the Beach, right? And uh, yeah. that must have been really cool. How was that? I'm just curious because I loved it. I, was I'd chill. love to go to that one of these times. Yeah, you should. It, it was it was chill. It was just like, you know, um, it was my band and this band Camp and Margo Price. And uh-huh. Everybody was just like on our own little like lagoon. Oh, right on. And then played at night. And it was it was relaxing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And you know, Seth, we talked about that. You, uh, mm-hmm. you guys went to college together. It just always blows my mind. Like his parents were there and just like catching up with his dad and mom and like being like, man, how do you go from like, you know, they used to sleep on my parents' floor and borrow their van <laughs> to like now they can like book out two resorts and sell out, a t- you know, a festival of their own. It's it, it, just to see what they've like achieved is Crazy. Oh, it's amazing. It's, I mean, there's a 20, so you're cool. talking about a 20, 25 year gap yeah. there, which is like. Totally. Yeah. But it's still like amazing, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like life is, you know, you, you didn't think like a person that used to like smoke cigarettes and, you know, like see on the steps of the art building, you know, that everybody would be doing so well. Do you feel like. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, they see. Like Langwood my, Slim was there and like yeah. I introduced them. You know, like I booked Langhorn and Regina Spector and the Avits in the back of a buffalo wing restaurant I worked at in the East Village. Oh, cool. And then like, here we are on the beach, you know, playing to like 10,000 people. Where'd you live in the East Village? Um, Lots of places. Yeah. Avenue A and 6th, Avenue A and 11th. The Pyramid Club at the time, right? Uh, Uh, Avenue A and 6th. It was right above, it was right above Joe's Bar. Oh, A and Eighth, I guess. What was St. Mark's was like something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went Pure to NYU right and I lived in that. I lived in that building that was on like Third oh, Avenue really? and Ninth Street, right on Astor Place. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a prime spot. It's right by the Kmart or RIP. Yeah, I know. Or Kmart. I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was right up the street from CBGB's and, uh, you know, which is now like a target or something like it's, it's crazy what's going Gosh, on there. I remember it's such a mind fuck recorded, to like walk around New York now. I recorded a song with David Byrne back in like 2008 for this record. He did, uh, here lies love uh-huh. and we went to go get a coffee and we, they, there was a Starbucks there. So we got yeah. Starbucks and we're standing outside of CBGB's with our Starbucks and it was a John Varvatos store. Yeah. And this like guy comes out, he's like, you guys want to have a look? And we were just like, and then I was like thinking to myself, like sitting here with this chain coffee, with David Byrne looking at CBGB's, which is now a high end clothing store. Right. What the fuck? Yeah. What the but fuck was, is going on? Yeah. Here? I was like, write that in your diary. <laughs> yeah. Right. So crazy. The way things have just mm-hmm. gone and moved and changed. And uh, yeah. Wow. 
I wish I had a time machine. He's amazing. I listened to uh, an interview of his recently on a, on a, on a separate podcast. And um, uh, yeah, he's rather profound individual. He's got a lot of yeah. amazing things to say in his book, How Music Works, is fucking just amazing. I'm in that book. Oh, you are? Yeah. I got to get, get through the whole I was, thing. <laughs> I was making slow phaser and I had no idea. Like he didn't tell me. And I just like, it's like Nicole Atkins, you know, like put out a great record in Neptune city that, you know, the label thought only sold, if, didn't sell that many copies, but if she was independent, you know, this would have been a lot of copies. And I was right. just like, Oh my God, I'm in this cool, but I'm also an example of how shitty the music industry is. Shit. Like, <laughs> Why shit? Like, don't but, you, you don't care, right? Yeah, you know, it would have been more fun to be like, you know, a huge success story, but like, <sighs> well, you are, you are. So tell me about uh, that you were signed for Col- by Columbia early on. What did that? I mean, obviously that was, it was that, that mean like that was amazing to you or for that first album. Yeah, I mean, like going from like you know, like living at my parents' place to like having my friend help me pay rent to like being on Columbia Records. Yeah. Like, it was great, but it was really, it was really hard. Like, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but mm. like. I got signed by the president and was making my record with Lenny Kay. And then the president gets fired. Then the next person gets fired and mm-hmm. then they fired Lenny. Mm-hmm. And it was just like so much bouncing around. Mm. And then finally finished the record a year later in Sweden with Tor Johansson. And Rick Rubin comes on the scene like and removes my record from the schedule two weeks before it was supposed to come out. So <sighs> fu- he basically like fucked up all my press and, um, the record came out like six months later and the press went away and it was just like, I don't know. I don't like to lay blame. Everything happens for a reason, but fuck Rick Rubin. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I, well, I got my pull quote so, now. Yeah. You got your pull quote now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but then after that, you know, like we were, it, for me, like, you know, we got to see the world and play Jules Holland and yeah. do all these amazing things that like, I think if I was on an indie label, I guess I got to skip a couple tears you know right and then when it was time to do the next record when you know rick was like just kind of absent but like keep writing keep writing and it's like 50 songs in and i was like i'll just do this somewhere else you know just because i like to work Mm. so So. you you so you kind of took it upon yourself to end that relationship was that yeah that was a tough decision for you it wasn't. Mm. It wasn't. At the, by the time that it came to that, it was just like, man, like, I need to work. Like, I need to be recording and touring and not, like, sitting at home, like, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for somebody to call. Huh. Well, those that, that I help me understand that a little bit, because you said they're asking you for more songs and you had a ton of songs, but they didn't want to like commit to the album at that point when you were, when you were already yeah. ready. Yeah. It was just like, basically like keep writing. But like when, once I wrote Mondo Amore, there were the songs that became Mondo Amore. Like I couldn't back off of it. You know, mm. it was just like, that was every, every record. It's the story of where my life is at, at that time. And like that story, that story was ready. Ah, so you, you want, and has that theme sort of been kind of, what you've been looking yeah. at like you you, you want to get this stuff out there this is like how i was yeah. feeling let's do this it's a document of where i'm at yeah you know yeah which is not too different from many artists right you they're like no. do this let's do this now but that whole waiting yeah. process and did you feel like you're just a tiny cog in a big machine was that sort of yeah yeah there was like you know it's like 
I, I just needed to like move forward. And like, I was just kind of like waiting in the kiddie pool, just like, uh, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. So what did that transition look like for you? Just drop that label and just became an indie artist and just sort of did things on your own. Yeah. Or, I mean, how was that? How did that yeah. I went to like? razor and tie. Oh God. How much time do you have? It's a long, long story, long journey, <laughs> but like, you know, went to razor and tie and, um, did the record and then six months later they become an, became a new metal label. So mm -hmm. had to leave there because I was just like, okay, I don't do new metal. Yeah. And um and then Hurricane Sandy happened and my parents' house got all fucked up and Tor Johansson called me from Sweden, was like, Hey, let's make another record. And I was like, Well, I don't have any money or a label. And he's like, Columbia paid me enough, you get two for one. So it like he really helped me out at wow. the time that I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so he, guy. oh, he used to work for Columbia, but liked you enough to come back and work with you independently. Well, he's a producer. He was hired by Columbia. Oh, okay. But like, you know, we just hit it off and we ended up making Slow Phaser together. Like I was listening to a lot of prog rock at the time and he was like, let's, let, let's make a prog rock record. So it was like very collaborative. Oh, interesting. Prog rock, which was, yeah. what was a prog rock? Was that separately? I didn't see uh, slow phaser every song except for girl you look amazing was inspired by peter gabriel's first record <laughs> uh wow so do you find it um is it is it challenging for you or do you just have the your own well let me let me phrase it differently is it challenging for you knowing where you like to go and that you are always interested in new creative avenues are you ever concerned that um, you do, you may want to stay in the lane or is that something that you know, kind of what's your thinking as to what the next step is going to be? I just kind of follow, I hate that phrase, follow your muse, follow your bliss, I, or but whatever, I do yeah. like, I follow the muse, like whatever keeps calling to me in my head yeah. ends up becoming the thing, Yeah, you know, and right now it's, it's standards. Yeah. Don't you get to just this certain point where you feel that you're so confident within your own creative abilities that something's going to happen. Something's going to come up. Yeah. It's it's going to, it's going to work for yeah, you in I one way. I don't doubt it. Like I used to, like I, you know, in the beginning, like, you know, I'd go on tour and then it would be time to do another record and I'd be like, Oh God, what if I can't do it anymore? But now I just do it all the time. Mm. Like no matter if I'm touring or I'm always working on new songs and new things. So I don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm in it. Like I'm constantly in it. So it's, it's, it's nice. It just makes it hard to sleep sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot going on inside your brain. Yes. Does that make it tough Which, sometimes or? It does. It does. It makes it hard to like, just know how to like relax. How do you relax? You know, TV. <laughs> what, what's a, what's a, what's your TV shows of, of uh... Sunday nights, my favorite night of the week. It's HBO night. Yeah, my HBO Max subscription just went away for some reason. I don't know why. What? My Get daughter's been watching Euphoria, and I was kind of thinking about starting that. And I don't yeah. know. I just have to go. Euphoria's I couldn't great. figure it out. They asked me to enter a new password, so I did. I'm like, okay, we don't need to get into this whole thing when I'm like fucking frustrated over it. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Shit out. Uh, what's your We're favorite? In the golden age of TV. I know, right? <laughs> uh, what's your uh, What's your favorite TV series right now? Uh, I liked Yellow Jackets a lot. Yellow Jackets. That just ended. Yeah, it is was that on, on Showtime, H oh, Showtime, and it was based in the Jersey Shore right? for girls that graduated in 96, which uh -huh. I did, uh -huh. and now it's them now, so it's like my age group TV show 
I couldn't ask for anything more. Yellow Jackets. All right. I'll have to yep. learn more about you and watch Yellow Jackets. <laughs> what else? Yeah, it's great. What else um, can you do? And we just, we just started that series, Pam and Tommy. Pam. The Pamela oh, Anderson, oh, Tommy yes. Lee. Is that any on good? Hulu. That's on Hulu, right? It's yeah. awesome. Really? It's awesome. Yeah, Seth Rogen and Nick Offenheimer are in it. Oh, and, really? Like, it's so well done. Huh. It's really okay, well I'm gonna have done. to check it out. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's on your playlist these days? What's your favorite thing that you're listening to? Oh gosh, um, I'm listening to like lots of calypso. Oh really? Because it's okay. winter, so I'm trying to beat the winter blues with some calypso. There you go. Oh, that's because uh, you were down dub. on the beach for a while down there in the Caribbean. Well, no, <laughs> I actually didn't listen to music when I was down there. Yeah. I, um, I did host trivia though, and I made a playlist of like George Michael and Delight. <laughs> right on. Right on. Yeah. Um, and you're doing this Kayamo cruise also. Do you like those? Mm -hmm. Or obviously you don't get too seasick? Yeah. Or what? <laughs> no, I don't get seasick at all. I just get sick of the food at the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, it starts to taste the same. Yeah, the friend's buffet. Yeah. Right on. But you know, those are just exciting or for me just because everybody usually brings their wife or girlfriend and I get to meet a bunch of cool people that I hadn't met. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, I feel yeah. the same way just going for on, on one of those things or going to, uh, I'm going down to My Morning Jackets, One Big Holiday, which is sort of the Avis oh, on the Beach thing. So yeah, yeah, just to be around a bunch of new people and who all kind of love yeah, music. Yeah, it's nice to like love, make new friends. It really is. That's what I loved about like going to dead shows in high school. It was like, who am I going to meet in the parking lot that's going to be my friend for the rest of my yeah, life? Yeah, totally. When did you come on to the dead? Yeah. Uh, 95? 90, 94, 95? Right at the, like, right at right the at end. Right at the end, Yeah. 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 So you I saw just, some of the, I was living I wish in, it could have been sooner. I was living in New York at the time. We were probably at a couple of those same shows. But I think I started, I think like one of my first shows was like 88 Madison Square Garden. But I saw them That's like cool. a, a couple shows at every garden tour they did throughout the 90s. My first show without my parents was Halloween Jerry Garcia Band at, at the Meadowlands. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, Meadowlands? He played the stadium? Yeah. I know. I saw the mm -hmm. dead at Meadowlands once. I didn't know Garcia was playing yeah, it solo. Yeah, it was Jerry Garcia band. And I remember like my friend was like, hold up your finger and say, I need a miracle. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and, and I, cause I didn't have a ticket and right. I got a ticket and it was like a 12th row ticket. Oh, wow. It was a great ticket. And someone miracled mm -hmm. it to you? Someone gave it to you for free? Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on. We're with this cute New Jersey girl down there. Of course you're getting a free ticket. Yeah. It's like, like no, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was great. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Nicole. It was so nice to, uh, yeah. to catch up with nice you, to and, talk to you and learn more about what's going on and what's happening inside that brain of yours, which is this very, very interesting, <laughs> very, very interesting place, I'd have thanks. to say. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Thanks for being on Roadcase, Nicole. <laughs> thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. 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 Okay, that was Nicole Atkins. I was so happy to talk to Nicole. She is so much fun to chat with and just uh, just an all-around uh, great human, fun, has got a great sense of humor. Hey, she's a, she's a Jersey person, and um, I, really, I, I really just enjoy talking to her. Um, we talked about her sobriety, and that is really important to her, and it was so interesting to listen to her describe how it changed her life for the better. And, um, and I really, I really admire that about her. Um, and that sinkhole story was just 
bananas, but really knocks some sense into her apparently. And, um, and that's a great thing. Um, this latest album, uh, Italian Ice, is just really, really wonderful. I can't say enough great things about it. And she's also done a new reimagining of that album called Memphis Ice as well. Uh, same songs, um, and it is just created in in uh, a different fashion. It's got a new feel to it. It's very sort of standards-like, which really coincides with what her latest direction is, is in doing these standards. I don't know a ton about standards. I know them when I hear them. Uh, but like I said during the interview, Nicole has kind of opened my mind up and helps in that direction to, you know, to understand and appreciate new uh, directions in music and other types of musical directions. And I really, really uh, respect her artistry. Um, she has that amazing sense of creative confidence. You know, I, I asked her, you know, as you, as you heard, what direction are you going to go in next? How do you know? And she's like, well, I, you know, I know when I, when it comes to me and I'm just confident that I'm just going to move and, and she's moving a direction of standards and there'll be a new album out coming, coming soon. And there's also going to be a new movie that documents the Italian ice reimagining called Memphis ice. And, uh, we also talked about Elvis Costello, go, go listen to Elvis Costello's new album, a boy called if, and look at that, listen to that track, my most beautiful mistake that Nicole sings on, uh, and her story about being on Columbia records for her first album. And then eventually leaving was really revealing about how, uh, the major label process works and why uh, uh, Nicole had to leave and knew that she had to leave at that point. She said that was an easy decision. So here she is, this amazing indie artist uh, doing what she wants to do. She said she'd paint houses uh, for the ability to be able to create uh, music in the direction that she wants to go. So truly applaud that and admire that and uh, really loved having her here. And thanks to her again for chatting with me. Thanks to everyone out there uh, for listening and for your continued support of Roadcase. It really means a lot to me. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Roadcase on your listening platform so that you can see when new episodes come out. And we've got a lot of great guests coming up in the next weeks and months to come. So stay tuned for those. Thanks again for listening. And I want to send a special thank you to the one and only Nicole Atkins for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can Email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at roadcasepod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>